Hello, this is Candy, welcoming you back to another episode of the Backstage Pass. Today's guest is an incredible artist who has inspired fellow artists and audiences across the country and overseas for over 14 years. Now, this was one of my first podcasts that I recorded, and it has been such a challenge not to release it sooner. But there definitely needed to be a build-up for this one. This guest is one of the most interactive performers out there. She's a legend. She's one of my best friends. She's daredevil diva, Daniela DeVille. Daniela is known for many exceptional and dangerous skills, such as having concrete blocks smashed on her stomach while lying on a bed of nails, whip-cracking accuracy, balancing a sword on a dagger from her teeth, and using chains to perform aerial acts, giving all her acts an edge with a genius creative twist. She is a multiple Guinness World Record holder, headlined international shows, done a lot of TV and radio appearances, including BBC One, ITV, and Channel 5. I've seen her perform many times, and she always surprises me. Are you ready for this one? I hope so. Daniela, Daredevil Diva, what drew you to the world of cabaret, sideshow, and circus? Wow, that's a heck of a first question. (laughs) (laughs) And as you can imagine, it's not going to be a simple answer either. There was a journey to get there. Um, As you know very well, I trained as a dancer in performing arts, musical theatre, and I was always a huge fan growing up of a show called The Circus of Horrors. Um, This awesome touring show, bizarre horror circus stunts performed to a live rock band. Like, you know, as I was a teenager, this was like the show to go and see when it came round. And I didn't think I would ever be able to work, you know, in a show like that or doing that kind of thing and when I come out of college did the usual auditions and had a look around and stuff we'll get more into that Mm -hmm, later mm -hmm. but I went and spoke to Dr Hayes of the Circus of Horrors I took him my CV and really it was you know you think I'm just gonna try my luck you never know never know you never know and he said I think we can give you a trial run So that was where I first started and I just fell in love with the world of sideshow and bizarre circus and it went on a mass journey of cabaret, uh, Victorian era entertainment and shortly after that obviously I went off solo and it's been an adventure ever since that I've loved. I've seen you in a couple of shows and you really do take the audience on a journey. It is just so inspiring how you're connecting with your audience, bringing them in, sometimes literally on stage with you. You're an exceptional performer. So I thought I needed to say that now before you we are move on. too kind. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your inspiration 
I've had a lot of different inspirations throughout my career. I've always been incredibly inspired by Harry Houdini. Um, a particular inspiration of mine at current is um, recently I've, the last year, been doing a new act. I've been doing a strong woman act. I have to do new acts quite regularly, otherwise I do get bored. So I've been doing this strong woman routine and a good friend of mine, Barrington, said, you need to listen to this BBC Radio 4 podcast um, about a woman called Joan Rhodes. I said, okay, I listened to it. Wow, this woman is probably my main inspiration this year. Um, she was born in the 20s. She was homeless by the age of 14. She did several stints in workhouses and she started doing a street show as a strong woman. And by the peak of her career, she performed for the Queen. She was in several films. She became quite a star of the screen. Um, she was doing shows with Bob Hope. So she really was this incredible woman that went from nothing to everything, self-made, very strong and talented, but gorgeous, like Marilyn Monroe looks. Mm, nice. So throughout my career, there's been a lot of different inspirations. At current, she's my main inspiration. Would you say that your inspirations have been determined by how you're feeling in that moment within yourself? Like when you were younger, your inspiration would have reflected maybe, maybe like a fun, bubbly side, but as you've matured, maybe your inspirations have as well? You're probably right there, but that's something I hadn't picked up on until <laughs> just now. <laughs> Definitely when I was younger, I was very inspired by, you know, I loved all the rock and roll, the goth style, um, definitely a lot of old school sideshow acts, the gory stuff, typical stuff you would like when you're young and wanting to be alternative. And yes, as I've got a bit older, probably I have different inspirations. Yes. Mm. And have you always wanted to be Daniela DeVille? Yes. Definitely. I didn't know who Daniela Deville was at the start. <laughs> but yes, she is my alter ego. And I very much enjoy getting to be her. So did you always want to do dangerous acts? So at the beginning, I mainly I was thinking I'm going to be a dancer, do some acting. And I went to a few auditions. And I realized there's hundreds of people here gunning for the same thing, very few jobs available. And I was an okay dancer. I was professionally trained. I was fine. I was okay at everything, which it's okay, but I probably would have ended up being in the chorus at best. And mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been a fruitful career. I I have an inkling um, and I started to think I'm made for the entertainment industry. I knew that about myself, but I thought, I think I'm a bit different to everyone else and I need to find my niche. I think I was so lucky to have the opportunities I had with the Circus of Horrors at the start of my career because it really gave me a bit of an education into what other options are out there. 
um, when I left college, I didn't know about the world of cabaret and variety and all these wonderful opportunities that are out there. So as I learned more about the industry, I realized this is definitely where my place is. And the danger acts just came with, I started my first danger act was the bed of nails. And the reaction I got from the audience was quite addictive. I, if I see a video of myself, I'm not watching me. My favorite thing is to watch the audience reaction. <laughs> you see people with looks of horror on their faces or just they're amazed. They've never seen anything like it before or they're interested. Some people are hoping it will go wrong, definitely. Oh, do you think so? <laughs> I think some people enjoy the little bit of the danger aspect of like, <laughs> I might see something go wrong here. You know, that morbid fascination. Um, in fact, two weeks ago, I had a woman, I really thought she, I was quite concerned. I could see her from the stage. I was thinking, she's she's not enjoying my show. She kept covering her eyes. She was wincing. She looked so nervous and uncomfortable. And I was thinking from the stage, I can see you sometimes. And I was thinking, oh no, she really doesn't like me. And I felt bad. And then when I took my bow at the end, she stood up and gave me a standing ovation and was cheering louder than anyone. <laughs> That wasn't what I was expecting, so... Possibly just a very expressive person. Possibly. <laughs> Fully invested in every tiny little thing you were doing. I think the addiction to danger came with, I love seeing people's reaction to it. it must be amazing to just hear that. Hear them literally roaring, like yelling, chanting, the applause. Oh, I can imagine it being addictive. I mean, with ballet, you do your performance in utter silence and then you're applauded at the very end. When I went to your show, they were literally just like screaming out, laughing because you have this real comic incorporation in your acts and it's just amazing. Yeah, I just I just went into Daniela Deville for a moment and I was thinking it must be incredible to be feeling that energy from the people in the audience. It is and the more energy the audience give me, the more I give them back. And I love that back and forth, that tease. And like you say, with the ballet, you do your routine in silence. I very much don't do it in silence. There's lots of noise going on, lots of interaction. I can pause for a moment and interact with an audience member if I feel that's the right moment. Mm. It's really a nice way to entertain. So you have your choreography and your stunts that you do, but you have maybe a little bit of um, music, extra music, if there was to be something that you could linger on or engage, is, is that is that what you do? Or is the, is the choreography sort of set and you have your moments where this is when I engage with the audience? Or can you wing it? It really depends what acts I'm doing. Some are quite strictly choreographed to the music. Other acts, I work through the music. I'll always have musicality, but the music is background to what I'm doing and nothing is set. And yes, I wing it a lot because I like playing with the audience. Can you list for us all of the stunts that you do? Wow, that's quite a long list. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, as we were talking about the strong woman routine, in that I roll up frying pans I tear thick books in half. I get concrete smashed on my stomach whilst laying on a bed of nails. 
and um, other acts I do, I do the sword and dagger balance, which is where I put one sword in my teeth. And on the tip of that sword, I balance another sword. Mm-hmm. I do razor blade swallow and regurgitation. I do upside down suspended straight jacket escape. I do the ladder of swords, which is walking barefoot on the blade edge of samurai swords. I do the human blockhead, which is hammering a nail directly into my nose. I've seen that one. (laughs) (laughs) I do uh, whip cracking and whip targets. So for example, if you put a flower in your teeth, I will whip the head off of it. Oh God, there's more. I do aerial chains, which is, imagine like aerial silks, but on chain. Mm -hmm. It's, It's kind of a bit like that. So I'm swinging around doing all sorts of bendy things from chain. I feel like I might have forgotten something. I think that's most of it. I was going to ask you, but I feel like, you know, that just answers it. You are a very versatile performer and that's probably what makes you different from the rest. I suppose so. Yes. Oh, I forgot about my three booby act as well. <gasps> <The> three boobs. <laughs> da, 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 da. Hank, hank. Hank, hank. <laughs> I do love that one. So what's the process of developing your stunts? If we were just to pick maybe your favourite one, if you were to just to tell us the process of how you make it work. With any of my acts, the first thing I do is learn the skill. So for example, if it were whips, I make sure I can do all one whip cracks. My accuracy is perfect. Can I whip a flower off my head perfectly? Can I whip a flower out your hand perfectly, out your mouth, etc.? Okay, so you've got the skill perfected. How do you make it an act? Do you want to put a theme to it? What's the music that you feel inspired to work to? Is there a dance routine that goes in it? What's the costume like? Is there a gimmick that goes with it? Is there a storyline? So there's a big difference between just having the skill and then making it into a full act. So I generally will just start with the skill. And then once I have the skill perfected, then I can do the fun creative bit. So what's the next step after you've learned the skill? Is it the music? Yes, Mm -hmm. always. So the skill first, and then what music inspires me. And once you just hear a track and you know. I guess you could see the design of your costume and the counts that you're going to be doing certain things. Yes. I love a track that builds and has explosive moments. And I'll literally, when I find the right bit of music, I'll just sit, shut my eyes and visualize. And then it all comes together. Let's go back a little bit. Tell me about your years at dance college. I had the time of my life. I absolutely loved them dancing every day. Um, even singing every day, I'm not much of a singer, still enjoyed it. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Typical days, there was it was a very dance-based course. We did do musical theatre and acting, but it was very dance-based. Mm. You know, ballet pretty much every morning. And then a mixture of sort of jazz and tap and all the rest of it. Tap was always my favourite. I still love tap to this day. I still use tap in my acts sometimes. I'm I'm a tapper. For sure. You are. Do you remember when we were just messing around in the studio, put on yes. tap shoes? What did we do? Did we do the triple time step? We were doing I something. Still, <laughs> I still have the video. Oh, no. 
<laughs> Actually, maybe we can share that one. I think that Why might not? Be, Let's that might do be it. <laughs> Going forward to where you are now, being at the top of the tree, I'd say. You know, I think that everybody within the industry will know who Daniela Deville is. I mean, it must make you feel very empowered. I suppose I don't think about it in that way. Um, I have no struggle for work. I'm booked all the time. I have plenty of work and I'm really grateful of that. And that's why I always try and keep things, things fresh and interesting and come up with new acts. I suppose I'm just really grateful to be in the position I'm in, getting plenty of work and that people like what I'm doing. It just fills my heart with joy. That's all I ever wanted in life. So yeah, that's how it makes me feel. Just so happy and content. And you're a really, really hard worker. I think that's important to note. You you never stop striving. You know, I think there are so many people, they can get to a, to a point where they're really successful and go, I've made it, I'm here. And then they sort of stick with the same things that they do. But you're like, I'm here. Let's go bigger. Let's go better. Let's do even more stunts. I think you're always going to be fresh. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really good way to be. I enjoy challenging myself. I love to, the feeling you get when you go, can I do that? And often your initial thing is, I don't think I can. But then six months down the line, when you've almost achieved it, and you you know, if it's a new act, a new skill, the, the rush that you get is just amazing. As well as, yes, it helps you stay fresh and on top of things. Mm. But it is addictive to challenge yourself. Do you have a favourite act? My favourite act changes a lot. <laughs> so if I perform an act too much, it gets stale for me. And I feel if I'm not really enjoying it, the audience probably isn't enjoying it. Well, they might be, but in my head, that's how I feel. Loses that sparkle. Yes. Mm. So I will. something can be my favourite act and I'll be like, I'm doing it all the time. I get bored, I put it down. And then a couple of years later, oh, I've not done that act for a while. And then that might be my favorite again. So uh, I really can't give you a favorite because it changes all the time. Um, at the moment, I'm really enjoying The Strong Woman, I think, because it's still fresh and there's not many people doing that sort of thing. And I'm getting a really good crowd reaction. I will always enjoy things like The Human Blockhead, where I hammer a nail into my nose. I will be honest, it's not a difficult stunt to perform. Really? It, okay. It is real. There's no fakery there. It is completely real. But yeah, it's it's not a particularly hard trick to perform. Hmm. But <laughs> the reaction is everlasting. Um, <laughs> I think you've seen my reaction, haven't you? I'm going, oh! you know I'm, I'm looking but not looking every single time I'm like oh my god even though I know that you can do it really really well <laughs> that's the thing it's such a simple and small act but yeah there's always a good reaction for me to giggle at when I walk off stage <laughs> how do you stay motivated um it comes naturally really I enjoy what I do it's not just what I do for a living it is my passion in life it's my hobby it's my love 
So it's not difficult to stay motivated when you're so enjoying the constant process of what you're doing. Mm, I agree. One of the things that stands out to me as you as a performer is your flexibility. I actually think you're possibly one of the most flexible people I know. So what's your secret? See, uh, coming from my perspective, someone that works with a lot of circus performers, I'm not that bendy. <laughs> your back, it's just, in, it's incredible how much it can bend. I do stretch quite a lot still, and I just try and maintain what I have. Do you have any particular stretches that you that you feel does the most? Um, it's sort of difficult to describe on a podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's definitely ones for your back um, where you sort of put your arms up straight mm. and press your chest into a wall and then slide down with your bum stuck out, pushing your <laughs> boobs into the wall and slide down. I mean, it's horrible. It's a horrible stretch, but it does keep your back nice and bendy. Always work on your hip flexors because if you're doing extreme back bends, it really, like if you want to put your feet on your head or something, it's good to have your hip flexors really loose. Oh yeah, just the feet on the head. Yeah. <laughs> I work wow. with performers that do the Marianelli bend. So compared to them, I'm really not that bendy. So what is that? The best way I can describe it is you have a stand with a tooth guard on the top and they grip onto it with their teeth they literally put their bum on their head and then they take their hands and feet off the ground and they balance on their teeth with their bum on their head. So I've worked with several people that do that. So in comparison to them, I'm really <laughs> not that bendy. Were there any mishaps on stage? I have been very lucky that I've not really had that many mishaps on stage. I rehearse things a ridiculous amount of times before I would dare take them on stage because although people think they might want to see something go wrong people don't want to really see someone get mm -hmm. hurt or make a mistake like that so no I've not had any dangerous mishaps on stage just small ones um I, I've done stuff like my stiletto has gone down a hole in the stage and I've done some comedy ne nearly fall overs um, I've got attached to other performers on stage when your costumes get attached together oh. and suddenly you're, you know, little comedy slapstick moments like that. Um, I cut my finger open once on stage. I wasn't even doing anything dangerous. I just managed to cut my finger and that was during a children's show as well. So I was just hiding my hand behind <laughs> my back because I don't actually want to scare the kids. Um Nothing major, silly mishaps. Um, but you can recover. Yes. You know, with those ones. Yeah. yeah, I think I've maybe fallen over on stage once or twice, <laughs> but nothing major, mm. really nothing major. So tell me about your funniest, funniest moments in your career. I've had a lot of laughs, for sure. I've been really lucky to have a lot of really, really good moments like that. Um, one of the ones that sticks out for me, maybe because I've got a bit of a mean sense of humour, I was setting up out the front of the sideshow. It was a really hot day. And so Eric, also known as the Lizard Man, was sat inside the venue with all the lights off trying to stay cool. Now, Eric is quite unique looking. He's tattooed head to toe as a lizard. Um, he's got a forked tongue. He's got implants above his eyebrows. He's got his teeth 
ground down into sharp points. Wow. So he really does look like a lizard. Yeah, I think I've seen him before. I think I might have introduced yes, him to you yes. quite a few years back. I'm setting up out the front and this toddler, about three years old, went running past me before I could stop him, ran into the venue. And then I was just about to turn around and try and usher him out. And as I've turned, he came running back out the other way, screaming and run over to his mother, burst into tears. (laughs) And I looked in at Eric as if to say, what did you do? And he sat there and went, I only said hi. (laughs) But I can imagine, you know, his look, it would have scared a toddler. Well, sat in a dark corner. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, that will teach that kid not to go running off away from his mum again, I guess. This is true. This is true. Any more? Other funny moments. Um, a guy called Mongi that I used to work with falling off the stage and it happened more than once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it that was, was just, his thing. <laughs> that was his thing, it seemed. And it happened to his brother as well. I remember being at one gig where his brother fell off the front of the stage and between the barrier and the front of the stage, he was just sort of stuck there flailing. Um, Yeah, it must run in the family, I guess. (laughs) You've met Big Grey. He's always a brilliant laugh to work with. You never know what will happen. It's funny now I think of it, I can't think of any particular moments because he's just constant madness. You never know what's going to happen with Big Grey. Big, big personality. I wish I could just think of a better example of all the laughs that he's given me. (laughs) Do you ever get nervous when you go on stage? I get nervous for very small, intimate shows. So if I'm doing a show in front of 5,000 people, I'm good. I have no nerves. I feel great. If I'm doing a show in front of 10 people, suddenly I'm real nervous. I think it's because if you've got 5,000 people, chances are, even if only 20% of them is cheering, you've got 1,000 people cheering for you and it feels great. When you've got 10 people and it's a small room and it's quiet and you there's not the atmosphere of all those people to fill the room, so you need to create that big atmosphere to fill the room and get them cheering, that's harder. Yeah, my God. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I get it. I do get it. I think on stage, I don't know about you, but the lighting would almost cast a shadow. So sometimes you wouldn't even see the audience and you could almost be dancing for yourself, essentially. But you, yes. know, you know that they're all there. But when you're, uh, I think I was doing rehearsals for something for Sleeping Beauty and there was only the dancers from the company and then the choreographer and the director, and I was shitting it. <laughs> yeah, more than being on stage. Yes, yes. Mm. If you've got that many, if you've got a huge amount of people in a room, there's already an atmosphere. There's already a buzz. When there's just ten people, it feels real quiet in that room. And I've done cabarets where only you know maybe ten people have turned up before. It's nerve wracking. You have multiple Guinness World Records. When did you get your first one? The first one I set was for concrete blocks smashed on the stomach with a sledgehammer whilst laying on the bed of nails. (laughs) And I set that with great Gordo Gamsby. 
we set that at Sideshow Wonderland by the London Eye. Mm-hmm. And then we got asked if we wanted to attempt to beat our own record. And we went on the Guinness World Record TV show in Italy and we beat our own record. Which one is the one that made you most proud? I like the one for the sword and dagger balance, most rotations of a sword on a dagger, just because it's, um, I love the image of that act and it's one that not many people are doing at all. I think that's my favourite one. That's the, possibly the certificate for it up there, maybe. And so would you have it featured in the book as well? Yes, I've been in quite a lot of the books because they tend to, um, you know, if like they'll print you in a book and then if it hasn't been printed for a few years and no one's broke it, they might print it again. So Mm -hmm. I've been in quite a lot of the books over the years. Do you ever have any moments of doubt? Only The only time I have moments of doubt is when I'm about to debut a brand new act and I do get a moment of, oh my goodness, what if no one likes it? Other than that, I don't think... I have any moments of doubt in my career and what I'm doing. I just feel that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing in this world. I've found my place. I've found my niche. I've found where I fit. And I'm just so content and happy. I have no doubts. I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. And you're you're so confident in what you do. And even when you're you know bringing out new acts, I know that you're going to execute them amazingly every single time I've seen you work in the studios you are you are so talented one of a kind what's the most shocking thing you've ever experienced in the industry oh wow okay there's certain acts that even make me wince believe it or not okay I do not like when people hang weights from their eye sockets Yeah. Sorry for that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with people doing that and, oh, yeah, it, that's a bit much for even me. I don't like it. Um, I find, I still find suspension quite shocking. You know, when people have hooks put through their skin and yeah. they hang off it. To me, that, Yeah. I'm not that much of a daredevil. I run away crying. Like, (laughs) that frightens me. And um, I did an act, again, with the great Gordo Gamsby, where he put two hooks through the top of his back. We tied him upside down by his feet (laughs) and hung him upside down. And then through the hooks in his shoulders, we rigged my aerial hoop. And I did an aerial hoop routine hanging from his skin <gasps> and I was petrified oh my God. even for me that was a lot I was shocked by but then when someone says I want to do this great stunt will you do this with me how can you say no oh my god wow what has been the highlight of your career That's a really difficult question because I've had a lot of highlights and I've enjoyed all the different chapters of my career and there have been many different ones. I'm going to have to say my the highlights of my career haven't been the big glory shows like the massive theatres. They've actually been working in 
traditional Victorian style sideshows and freak shows. That's when I started with Circus of Horrors, we would go and do a freak show at the Great Dorset Steam Fair and it's hard work. You go outside and you bark, which is when you say like, roll up, roll in, it's showtime mm-hmm. and you sell your tickets. And then you go in and you do like a half an hour show, you go back out, you sell tickets again and you do that all day. Wow. It's hard graft. It's how they did it back in Victorian times. Um, sometimes you end up doing as many as 12 shows a day. It's exhausting. And then you'll eat hog roast off the hog roast stand next door. You will sleep in a tent or a caravan and do it all again the next day. It's hard graft and I absolutely love it. And that was the first one I worked in. Then we had one um, along South Bank near the London Eye for a few years. I came to one. You did. (laughs) I actually remember when I was I was talking to you and you said, oh, hang on a second. And then you stood up and started barking. Yes. (laughs) Roll up, roll in. I was like, oh my God, how is she doing that? You were there, you were working, you were grabbing everyone's attention, you were getting them in for that show. I love that challenge. I love it. And then I went out to Australia and worked with Sideshow Wonderland. I went out there quite a few times to work with them. And it was the same thing. And we would do like the Adelaide Fringe and Woodford Festival. Same thing. You, it's called spruiking over in Australia rather than barking. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you spruik, you do a show and you do it again and again and again. And genuinely working with shows like that has been the highlight of my career. I love it. Even more than TV appearances or, you know, big arena shows. I love the old school ones like that. Would you say that you enjoy the adrenaline rush that you get from those performances? I do, but I think more than anything, I love the sense of history and knowing this is how people did it over a hundred years ago. This is an aid, like this is an old tradition and we've kept that method and we're still keeping that alive. Mm. I love that feeling of being part of history in entertainment that way it feel really magical i'd imagine it does to me that is where the pure raw real magic is so let me ask you this when do you have moments where you feel completely at ease and relaxed you time where you're not constantly moving i'm not very good at having those moments even when i have a moment like that If I get a moment to sit and relax, my creative cogs start turning and I go back to that. It's probably something I should get better at. Is is that how you've always been? Yeah. I don't like to, not that time to relax and do you is wasted, but I don't like to feel like any moment of my life is ever not put to good use Mm. I like to be productive always I can relate to that I remember I was just powering through life all the time and then the thought of just sitting down to have a cup of tea and relaxing I would see it as you're wasting valuable time but actually I'm I'm starting to get better at that now making time for me um but you know it doesn't work for everybody sometimes I go to sit down and I'm like right I'm going to just be in a good clear calm space and then oh in comes the creativity and then off you go again it is hard I think maybe that's a performer mentality 
on you know people of the arts is that you're you're always in a creative state i guess possibly yes mm. i still think it's it is important to have those moments i'm working on it <laughs> yes me too what advice would you give your younger self oh i would say classic expression always trust your gut um when i was younger and you're not as fully booked as i am now and you're still trying to get established and the occasional job would come up that just wouldn't sit right you know you just get a feeling in your gut i don't know and it was always right whether the client didn't pay or whether they cancelled last minute or it was you know badly organized and unsafe for whatever reason my gut was never wrong but because i wanted the work you go i'm sure it'd be okay mm. always always trust your gut if someone's trying to book you and you just even if they make you feel a bit uneasy straight away trust your mm, gut it's yeah. there for a reason to my younger self also i i think I, I tend to, I can sometimes be a bit scruffy and, <laughs> you know, little things like my sword cases could be scratched and messy and I would take them on stage. And as I got older, little, little touches, like making sure everything looks presentable. Um, yeah, things like that. I would go and do big shows that might be recorded with really chipped nails and stuff like that and mm -hmm. I would just tell my younger self presentation is quite important so Definitely. yeah keep an eye on your scruffiness <laughs> so what does the future hold for Daniela Deville um I've recently started producing a bit so I think in the future I'll do a bit more producing and I have a few shows in the pipeline for next year as well I just want to carry on as I am enjoying my career, enjoying what I do. I'll always be searching for new acts, um, keeping, keeping, always looking for historic acts that everyone's forgotten about and reviving them, you know, making the modern day version of them. Always more of that in store. Yeah, I just want to carry on as I am. Daniela, it's been magical speaking to you today. I mean, I know that we've known each other for so long, but it's been wonderful to just sit here being in complete and utter awe of you and your achievements. And it's it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to hear all the episodes. I know you've got some really exciting guests on. I have. Stay tuned. How fantastic is Daniela DeVille? I am so honored to call her my friend and even more so that she wanted to take part on this podcast. It really meant the world to me. Please make a point of going to watch her perform. It's an experience to treasure. She really is one of a kind. I will of course put all the details of Daniela, her shows and her socials in the show notes. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. It's just growing and changing all the time. And I'm making it my mission to make it the best podcast for the arts that it can possibly be. 
If you want to leave me a message or a review, please contact candy.presents.podcast at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time.